0: Welcome to our Wilmot Dixon podcast series Building Knowledge, Shaping the Future of Construction I'm Hannah Moss, Group Communications Manager at Wilmot Dixon and in this episode I'm talking to our Leisure Sector Manager, Nick Manel We'll be discussing the changing landscape of leisure, how classic leisure centres are increasingly moving towards a more diverse and comprehensive wellbeing offering and the opportunities this holds for our customers and the wider community Great to have you here today Nick Um, Firstly, can you tell us a little bit about your role within Wilmot Dixon?
1: Hi, Hannah. Thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, so I joined Wilmot Dixon two years ago, um, this week actually. Happy anniversary to me. (laughs) Congratulations. And um, I guess the the, the national role for leisure is um, about a positioning and influencing um, role. It's about making sure that we're talking to the right people within the sector at the highest level. And then from there, it's about inspiring our people to understand the sector and really get to know the language that's used in that sector and and truly understand what it means for a consumer within that sector. Um, Driving products and solutions is another part of that. So making sure that we're innovative, making sure that we're ahead of the game. And then linked to that is the customer intelligence. What's happening in that market to make us want to work within that sector and what our customers are doing to do that. And then overall, it's really about, I guess, providing our people, our partners, um, with that 20% boost of knowledge, insight, um, conversation, bid writing, and operations. So it's, it's a little bit wide, a little yeah. bit deep, but it definitely, I think, allows us to position the business in the right way.
0: What changes have you seen in the leisure sector recently, Nick?
1: So I haven't been in the sector for... More than 20 years um, there's been quite a lot of change uh, certainly with in the subsector of health and fitness I think there's um, a diversity that's happened probably more so in the last five to six years with boutique um, coming in and what I mean by boutique is more the human experience more about driving an experience into a facility right. probably single Um, discipline sites or maybe a yoga studio or a spin studio so we're seeing a huge amount of that crop up around the world but certainly in the UK in the last two or three years alongside that you've had the budget clubs rise out of the ground and really steal um, uh, a run on the the kind of mid-market clubs so your mid-market like Fitness First and almost touching on David Lloyd. I know they're a premium brand, but again, that mid to premium has really, really felt the pressure. And um, So it's widened. It's fragmented. Um, lots of diversity. However, interestingly, it's still only targeting 15% of the market space. Right. So we've got a huge amount of people to go at, but that that's definitely what's happened in the health and fitness sector. I think what we've also seen is a massive increase in HEFE. Uh, drive within leisure so um, Supporting their student experience is about providing world-class sports facilities. So Alongside that they've opened up the door To their communities. So you're now seeing a little bit more of that um, crossover from HEFE to leisure and real diversity of people going through the HEFE doors for their sports facilities
0: and when you say, just for people who might not know the acronym, we're talking higher education. Higher facilities. education,
1: further education, yeah. yeah. So, um, and, and, and they're becoming more towns in their own right. And I think yeah. probably following the American model of, of towns within cities, uh, they're, they're, you know, colleges and universities. Yeah. So it's definitely happening. The, the final part that I think we've, we've seen is um, that start of co-location. So local authorities looking at how they could probably save some money by bringing different services into the leisure market or using leisure as the vehicle to support, for example, libraries, maybe a little bit medical um, element there. But certainly this co-location is something that is quite hot at the moment and we're going to see more of it.
0: With seemingly constant pressure on the NHS at the moment, what role do you think our approach as a contractor um, can have you know, towards easing this pressure?
1: Well, we mentioned co-location, mm. and, and I think uh, we're seeing much more of this play a part within just general leisure as the sector. We're seeing um, the clinical elements come into leisure facilities, so you, you may have one corridor being more clinical or medical and the other corridor being more leisure or health and fitness and I think this coming together is quite an interesting and exciting opportunity to change the landscape of what is determined as leisure Mm -hmm. because I think again we've touched on that 15% of health and fitness I think health and fitness is always psychologically seen as you've got to be fit to work out Um, and I think we're definitely seeing a change of if we can help break the barriers down of Of what we design, how we talk, how we position. Um, It it is an interesting concept that we move from health and fitness to wellness. And I think wellness then lends itself to the psychology of people feel more comfortable in then types of facilities. So I think there's a real opportunity for us at Wilmot Dixon to spearhead some of that conversation and debate um, through our strategic relationships with a UK active, for example, who they already are saying wellness rather than health and fitness, and they're already talking NHS. So definitely there's that element of um, more wellness. And I think if we can then spearhead that as a company and start to break the barriers down of a culture shift into that mindset, I think what you then start to find is, is that not only ourselves, but our partners, our supply chain, our design consortium start to understand that Design is really important within them types of facilities and breaking barriers down around health and fitness and wellness is going to be a real sticking point moving forward. We've got to tackle it head on so that we can actually support the the end result of that is, is that clearly you would like to think that more people will feel comfortable in a leisure environment or a destination that they then get more active, that then hopefully reduces the NHS um, struggles at the moment. So if we can support it and um, work with the people that we, that we work with currently and increase that volume of, of knowledge, then I'm sure we'll start to see some change.
0: Yeah, exciting opportunity. So people classically associate leisure centres with keeping physically fit. Um, what do you see as the opportunities for mental health and well-being?
1: So again, I think with the shift that we've seen in in just um, the Internet of Things and, and the digital awareness around us, I think what we've got now is a consumer that is actually more educated than ever before. And there's this element of, I guess, the drive to learn yeah. and the drive to feel. And these psychological elements are playing a huge part in what people want to see within the facilities to make them feel better and and that clearly is a direct link to mental health Mm -hmm. and well-being if if we can start to really understand that the centers of the future need to be so much more connected to the human experience that will in turn make them feel much more happy and stronger to to go into them facilities and and take part and you know, it's it's as simple as a smile on a face lifts a thousand people's faces, yeah. right? And 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 it's that's the that's the driver. So I think it's the part of where we we play in that is the messaging is is getting out there, making sure that we're we're strong in our message around the importance of experience within the facility. It's not just bricks and mortar; mm-hmm. it's the experience inside it. It's the staff. It's the customer service. It's the the whole drive to make people feel happier and I think if we get that then we absolutely are starting to hit mental health um, the well-being part I think covers a wide range of things and I think again it comes hand in hand with the element of making sure that we are building facilities and working with people to work make them facilities tick in the right way so that it's all wrapped around the user and yeah. I think that's lost. Quite a lot of time in the fact that we can talk to our customer and that we think our customer knows what they're talking about, but have they really talked to their customer and truly understood what the emphasis of experience is for them so wrapping that up in, in, in what we consider the journey of the the customer or consumer, it really is about making every step a happy happy step or, or an experience step that triggers mental Health and well-being in a better light, and and I think they these centres are are so inspirational if done right, and so in, and so experiential that you would clearly lift out of any kind of doom and gloom if you go into these <laughs> facilities. They just need to be packaged in the right way, yeah. and I think we have got a a definite charge on that in the sense of um, our knowledge and our history behind it but where the future goes is definitely around making these centres more experiential so we do trigger mental health and wellbeing in a better, better light.
0: So I've been looking at some of the pictures from our Warwick University Sports Hub project which are super impressive and I was really excited to see they had climbing wall facilities which you wouldn't normally or I wouldn't normally associate you know with, a, with standard leisure um, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, so, so I guess when you say leisure centre, it should automatically trigger lots of different sporting activities. And I guess traditionally we've fallen into the fall of, of health and fitness. Mm. And health and fitness means gym, swim and studio. Um, but we're, we're definitely seeing more and more leisure come into the facilities now. And I think, uh, you know, climbing is just one element. We're seeing huge amounts of shift uh, to different types of Sports So temping bowling, ice skating, um, you're seeing cinemas, you're seeing restaurants, you're seeing almost small supermarkets heading to the leisure facilities. So I think we mentioned earlier about co-location. We're, we're definitely seeing these places become more destinations right. than leisure centres. And, and I think that is is probably a trigger from how do we get more people moving, active in these types of uh, surroundings and destinations. So yeah I, I think the wider that we can span the sports that we offer within facilities the better the experience comes and and you you, you know we're, we've we got a hero there in warwick at the moment because it's it's it is definitely a wow moment but um we've got tameside wellness center coming down the line soon which again is is a little bit more wellness orientated they're starting to think about what they do and that for me is as as you know National lead—it's exciting because you get to Absolutely. see all these things, and and you get to advise and make sure that our people know that what's going around the country is is starting to trigger different thought processes.
0: Can you explain the opportunities for local authorities around cross funding?
1: Yeah, so um, we're we're definitely starting to see conversations happen more and more up the upstream um, in early engagement around the types of mixed use opportunities and I think this is quite an exciting uh, opportunity for all of us to think about how we approach our customers and, and how we can proactively engage with them differently. Um, the cross-funding or cross-subsidising element is is definitely something that plays into the local authorities hands mm-hmm. in, in a decent way. Um, I guess you know local authorities uh, have always been triggered in their own silos of different departments doing different <laughs> things, but we are starting to see overlap, and I think that's a really important part because you can start to think about the local authorities' budgets and how they might be split and leisure might not have anything non statutory service, but actually education or health may have some budget. How do we start to bridge them conversations to say well if if there's a school going in can we put a leisure facility in the same building and dual use it can we look at then residential what is your housing uh, issues do you need housing within a certain specific area and we know there's a housing crisis so it's a really really exciting time where we can start to look at how we can help the local authority cross-subsidize Classic example from our point of view at the moment is is obviously you know um, is the Westminster Council. Um, so you've got Mobily Leisure Centre, brand spanking new Leisure mm-hmm. Centre, about nineteen million, I think it was, um, cross subsidised to zero uh, or neutral in in the sense of what we did with residential. So straight away you get in this. Actually, we can combine two and make one work really well. Yeah. And so the cross-funding or cross-subsidized conversation, I think is something that we as a company should be taking forward into our conversations. And certainly with the new business teams, it's, it's a, a, a real opening, a real door opener for them to, to go and proactively suggest around master planning rather than just a single site opportunity. Absolutely.
0: What are the most important considerations for Uniq when supporting customers with their leisure requirements?
1: For me, it's 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 getting in early. We have to start getting in early and having these conversations about, um, you know, what what do they want to achieve? What's their purpose? Um, and you'll find a lot of the time that certainly in the local authority land, the purpose is just to provide a leisure facility. Right. But what does that mean? What you know? Are we really scratching under the surface and And finding out what does that mean to their community. Mm -hmm. What does leisure mean? It it doesn't necessarily mean just health and fitness. It could mean all sorts of things. Um, And I think that's the the real drive for me and, and hopefully passing it down to the teams is that if we are proactive and we're taking some consultative approach to this, then we start to dig a little bit deeper under the surface and we're not just thinking, well, here's the t- next tender that's coming out. We've got to actually go upstream and unlock this conversation. Yes. And, and that for me is a really, really key driver for me. It's, it's about changing our culture of consultancy, making sure that we're, we're really getting down and dirty with the, with the, with the customer yeah. and understanding what's driving them. What's keeping them up at night? What is really, really making their community tick? And if we can back that up with data, whether that's a feasibility, whether it's research through the the strategic partners that we have, making sure that it rounds out as a solid business model and going the extra mile, not to just think of bricks and mortar. What does that business look like in 10 years, 15, 20 years time? If we can add them services to our uh, offering, we're absolutely le- elevating ourselves to the brand that is quality, but it's quality across lots of things. It's adding a trusted advisor, critical friend to the to the yeah. phrase.
0: So, last question for you, Nick: um, Are you seeing any new exciting opportunities for the future of the sector?
1: Well, I think I think we've covered a couple along the way, but what what is always exciting about leisure? It is changing constantly. So, I think it's one of the sectors that. That will always move and shake, depending on what the consumer is looking at and, yeah. and driving within their in, in their their normal lives. So leisure always looking for the next. And um, what do I see next? I see probably more boutique experiences mm-hmm. filtering through over the next couple of years. I think. Um, we might see the high street take a little bit of a lift through boutique yeah. um, across the country. We've certainly seen it in London. I think it's probably getting to saturation in London, but then there's the rest of the country to go.
0: So boutique is when people are focusing on a particular...
1: Yeah, so to give you an example, the boutique market really kicked in five years ago. And that, that was more about what a human experience is, right, rather than just the services that's offered. So yeah. it was all about the interaction between the instructor and the, and the consumer. Mm-hmm. And that has blown people's minds. I mean, as simple as an experience <laughs> is, it really has um, rocked, rocked the, leisure, the leisure world. And I think that's, you know, if you're thinking about something like a 50-pound membership at a David Lloyd or a Fitness First or a Virgin Club, yeah. um, you're getting members of them clubs go to a class for 25 30 pound. Right. So that's the difference. So money's kind of gone out of the of the war. It doesn't matter anymore. It's 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 about the experience that you're providing. So I definitely see that being stronger across the country. Probably we'll start to see um, they them break up a little bit and become maybe three and four boutiques in one model. Mm-hmm. Um, so that the disruption or the breakdown of a leisure facility and building it back up in experiences might start to happen. Um, we'll see destinations rather than just facilities. I think that's a big play. It's what's going on outdoors as well as indoors. And that whole destination play is, is something that we're seeing and we'll see more of. Um, and I think then there's that that leads to more creativity around the story of the experience being told. So people are starting to get really into the digital world and the technology and albeit digital and technology so far ahead, we are starting to catch up with types of things that we're using. So whether it's lighting, whether it's music, whether it's ambience, whether it's these types it's of experiential package. things yeah. that become whole package are starting to be more creative. Um, and I think that will play a part within the facilities of the future. Um, the last one for me is is that then leads to improved designs. So, if, if we're not getting creative with our supply chain and, and design consortium partners, then we're gonna miss the boat. We, we've gotta get them upstream with us and 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 take um, knowledge from them as well, going the other way, so that we're absolutely in sync with the future of, of what these facilities may look like. I said before, the consumer continues to drive, to learn, and, and we're going to see more of it. So we're going to get more creativity, we're going to get more destinational, we're going to get more facilities of the future that is more tech, more digital, and it's how we continue to adapt and change to them trends that are coming in. And if we're ahead of the game, then we're with them. If we fall off that wagon a little bit, we're going to get left behind very quickly. So it's important that we're ahead of that, tr- that trend consistently um, across our, our company and making sure that we are delivering at the highest quality, but most, the most innovative as well yeah. um, with, our, with our family of partners and supply chain and design people.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming in and having a chat to us today about this. Sounds like there's some really, really exciting opportunities within the sector. Thanks, Anne. Wilmot Dixon is a privately owned construction and interior fit-out company dedicated to leaving a positive legacy in our communities and environment. If you'd like to listen to more of our podcast series, you can visit wilmotdixon.co.uk forward slash podcast. You can also subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode.